Welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. Nothing replaces spiritual hunger. Did you hear me? The biggest issue you'll have in your Christian walk is whether you stay hungry. There's a lot of satisfied believers today that have lost their hunger for the things of the Spirit, but not here. I will not allow you, I will not allow myself to become content and not hungry for God. Our hunger is what defines us. And what is, our hunger is what sets us up for spiritual revelation. Amen. Did you hear me? So when you come into the house of the Lord, when you fellowship with God every day, pray this prayer, God, make me hungry. I had a prophetic word over my life when I first started here from a, a great man of God, and he said that God had gifted me with hunger. And he says that hunger will keep you awake at night. But it's the thing that sets you up for success in, our, in your Christian walk. It will enable you to walk through seasons of darkness, of confusion, where other people give up where they say, I don't understand God, your hunger is the very thing that will propel you into breakthrough. When Jesus was in the wilderness, it was his hunger that caused him to overcome the onslaught of the enemy and to be able to establish the fact that he was called as the Son of God and obedient to the Father. So I pray for you today that your spiritual hunger increases. I pray for you that you can't sleep well at night not because of any other reason, but God is stirring your heart and making you hungry. When I was a young boy, I was hungrier than anybody else. And that's why God would pick me out more than anybody else. When no one would pick me, God would pick me. Because what he saw beyond all the immaturity and all the issues was a heart that was passionately hungry for God, that had cried out for God in the secret place for him to do something in my life. Are you hearing me? So don't lose your hunger. Don't lose your hunger. So when you come into the house of God, I would always position myself to receive from the Lord. Say, God, speak to me. I can't leave this place until I get the word of the Lord for my life. If you lose your hunger, you're in a dangerous place. That's what happened to the Pharisees and the scribes. They'd lost their hunger. And their religious stuff and all their... I, I watched a little tiny bit. I, I hate to say it, but I did watch a little bit of the wedding last night. And I saw a lot of people that had lost their hunger. That they're in the house of the Lord, but it was... And I don't want to judge people, but you can, you can feel, you can sense when people are just there out of obligation and duty, but not out of a deep, passionate relationship with God. And Jesus said, my house would be called a house of prayer. Zeal for your house has consumed me. And he drove out all the money changers, all those that had turned the house of God into everything but what it was designed to be. It was designed to be a house of hunger and passion for God where you didn't care what people thought. You just wanted to touch God. So with that in mind, let's turn to John 20 verse 31. So you ready? Good. Because I want to speak to hungry people. I don't want anyone to fall out of the window today like our dear friend did on the Apostle Paul. So I say to people, it's just as much your responsibility to prepare yourself as it is mine to prepare myself. 
Because you can fall asleep with the Apostle Paul. If you can get offended at Jesus, well, there you go. John 20, verse 31. I want to speak to you today about one of my favorite topics. And uh, we've talked about life in the Son, life in the Savior first, life in the Son. And today it's life in the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Christ. But these things are written. This is John at the end of his gospel. He said, I've written these things that you, that's us today, would believe. Not just an intellectual understanding, but a deep heart belief that Jesus is the Christ. Underline that in your Bible, your iPad, your iPhone. Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you would have life in His name. We talked about Jesus the Saviour, Jesus the Son, and now Jesus the Anointed One. The Saviour, the Son, the Anointed One. And it follows us this pattern right through Scripture. Jesus, the Saviour, He identified with us. He took our sin so we'd be righteous. He took our sin, we got His righteousness. Identification, Jesus, the Saviour. Identity, Jesus, the Son. He came to show us what the Father or who the Father really was. No one comes to the Father but through the Son. If you want a relationship with God, you've got to come through the Son. Jesus said in John 17, I'm in the Father. You're in me and I am in you. You're not in the Father. You can't get to the Father except through the Son. There's no other way around. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, no other way but Jesus the Son. You have to have an encounter with the Son of God. Sonship leads us into the heart of the Father. That's so important. I'm in Jesus, He's in me. Jesus is in the Father, the Father is in Jesus. We only get to the Father by being in Jesus Christ, rooted in the Son. That's identity. The Saviour, the Son, the Anointed One. Identification, identity, and identical. Jesus is the Anointed One, and He came to anoint you and I so we would do the same works that He did, that we would be identical to Him. That everything that we read in the Gospels is an open invitation for us to dive into and experience it for ourselves. It's not an educational book. It's not a textbook. It's not a historical book. It's an encounter book primarily that every story is an invitation for us to dive into that story and say let it be to me according to your word that's what the bible's about many christians don't understand what the bible's about it's a it's a it is a book with one encounter after another it's a doorway into the spirit realm my words are spirit and they are life it's not a textbook it's a book that opens us up into the spirit realm. So as I read that, I begin, to, I begin to encounter what that word is the same yesterday, today and forever. It's living and alive today. The stories 2,000 years ago are bubbling away today, offering us the opportunity to walk into that encounter. Amen. So Jesus is the Christ. Christ is not his last name like it's Andrew the McGrath. Jesus, the Christ... <laughs> It's not like, it's like John the Baptist. Baptist wasn't his last name. It was his mandate, his function. John came baptizing. So he was called John the Baptist. Jesus came full of the Holy Ghost and anointing. And he came to anoint all those around him. He is Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. So wherever you read that word Christ, as uh, 
Many great teachers will explain to you, you you need to intellectually understand in your mind and in your heart that this is saying Jesus, the anointed one, and his anointing. It's referring to his mandate as the anointed one. Jesus, the anointed one. So we may believe that Jesus is the anointed one and he is the anointing. That's what he's a picture of. Christos is the anointed one and his anointing. It's also a derivative of that is, is uh, C-H-R-I-O. Anyway, it means the anointing to pour and to smear. Isaiah 10, 27 says the anointing is the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. And that's what it means to be in Christ Jesus. You have the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of the Holy Ghost deep within you. You are filled today with the anointing of Jesus, the Christ. Amen? Amen. I feel like it. But it doesn't matter what you feel. This is the truth today. And the truth will set you free. It is the Holy Spirit working in and through Jesus to perform every work that the cross secured. Did you hear that? It is the work of Holy Spirit in us, working in and through us, Every single work that the cross secured. The cross secured this. It broke the curse of poverty. Well, for all those that want to live in prosperity, I'll come over this side. It broke the curse of poverty. And so the anointing is the yoke-removing, breaking, destroying power of God. The yoke was the yoke of poverty in the Old Testament the yoke of sin in the Old Testament. And the anointing comes to break the habits that we can't break in our own strength. Depression, depression, sickness and disease and all the things that the enemy throws against us. The anointing of the Holy Ghost within us comes to shatter what we can't break. Amen? Amen? So the word Christ, it's interesting, but... In the New King James, it's mentioned or directly mentioned 20 times. 20 times the word Christ is mentioned. Why is that important? Well, because I'm glad you asked that 20, one of the things about 20, it's the number of expectation. And if you read the Gospel of John, I'll give you an example. It says in Judges 4.3, it tells us for 20 years, Israel waited for deliverance. 20 right through scripture is connected with deliverance, expectation. We need to be delivered. So when Jesus comes, he's coming to a people that have been longing. The prophets had foretold that the Messiah was coming. One person would come and he would be anointed by God to deliver. And the people thought it was an external deliverance, that he would come and fight against the occupation and, and, and set them free. But Jesus was coming to set us free on the inside out. The kingdom of God is within us. And you're truly free when you're free on the inside, not on the outside. For some people are free on the outside. They've got all the money, all the things, the trappings of this world, but they're bound on the inside. And a man or a woman is free primarily on the inside. And what happens on the inside will begin to flow on the outside. The kingdom flows in, out. John 1.41 says, Andrew, a great apostle, one of the mightiest apostles in the book of John, 
He says he first found his own brother, Simon, and he said, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. They had been looking for somebody that was anointed, that would set them free. And I want you to know today that the answer to every challenge that you have is found in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Not in new idea, not on Facebook, not in friends' opinions, but it's an encounter with the Holy Ghost. That is the answer. And the Jews, they knew that there was someone coming that would be anointed by God that would set the people free and cause them to walk in fulfillment and blessing. Isn't that exciting? Yeah. Woohoo! 20 is also the number of dreams, the 20 recorded dreams in the Bible. This is what they dreamt of. They dreamt of a time where they would be free. Have you got dreams? You've got dreams of being influential, successful, dreams from God. Dreams of having enough money to fulfill your assignment. Dreams of being whole. Dreams of being healed. Dreams of relationships restored. The answer is in the anointing of God. Knowing how to function and walk in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 20 is also the number of spiritual inheritance. Isn't that amazing? Genesis 31, 41 tells us, this is speaking of Jacob, I've been in your house 20 years. I served 14 for your two daughters and six for your flock and you've changed my wages 10 times. 20 is related to spiritual inheritance. Our inheritance is tied in the anointing. When the anointing of the Holy Spirit is allowed to function in our life, it will lead us to our inheritance. Really? Yeah, really. The prophets, when they came, filled with the anointing, the widows found their inheritance. The overflowing vial of oil that began to pay for all their debts and set them up for success. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Sad to say many Christians don't even know what the anointing of the Holy Spirit looks like or feels like or how to function. But not us, because John promises us in the epistles that we will know the anointing because it abides in us. Amen. He will teach us all things. We will know how to function, not in our ability, but in supernatural ability. You will see later on when the anointing touches men and women, it takes ordinary people and causes them to do supernatural exploits for God. Is there anybody who would like to do that? Wow. 20 also is the age where men are qualified for war. Numbers 1-3. If you're going to overcome the enemy, if you're going to be strong in spiritual battle, because there's a battle that's even raged today. I don't know if you know it, but when you walked in, the enemy didn't want you to hear the word of the Lord, the Lord. And he began to stir up things in the spirit. But you need to know this, that the anointing of God cuts through all resistance. Amen. We are made for war. And it's his anointing upon us that enables us to break through. Yeah. It says in Psalms 68, verse 17 to 18, that 20,000 are the chariots of the Lord. Not 19 or 18 or 17, but 20 thousand are the chariots of the Lord. These chariots, the psalmist prophesied, because he goes on to talk about uh, in, in verse 17 and 18, what Paul 
also unpacks in Ephesians 4 that these 20,000 chariots go with Jesus into the very bowels of Sheol and they loose all the captives, these 20,000 chariots, with Jesus, the angels of the Lord, and they go into the bowels where the enemy reigned and they set all the Old Testament saints free and Jesus releases gifts to the body of Christ so we may come into our inheritance. You need to understand that the anointing is always connected with spiritual breakthrough and warfare. God's anointed you by His Spirit to wage war in the enemy. Not to be passive, but to remind yourself, the Bible says in Psalms that I've been anointed today with fresh oil. You've anointed me like the, the uh, it says like the wild ox, the horns on the ox, which speaks of strength and vitality. The anointing of God comes upon us when we're feeling weak because we've been in spiritual warfare and battle. And we say, okay, God, I'm getting up afresh today. And your word declares that in me, I have been anointed with fresh oil today. And I have supernatural ability to keep going where everyone else would fail and stop. I'll keep going through because I've been anointed. It's not my own natural strength because I couldn't keep doing this year after year. And they say, how do you keep going? How do you stay strong? How do you stay motivated? How do you stay passionate? It's the anointing of the Holy Ghost that comes upon a person that changes them and enables them to sustain in warfare and battle and keep strong in our faith and keep passionate. My grandpa was a man of the Holy Ghost and, he's, and I saw him year after year after year after year after year for years and years praying the Holy Ghost, saturate himself in the anointing. And he was as strong spiritually the day he died as he, as he was as a young teenager. In a coma, I've told you this story, but praying in the Holy Ghost when his lights were out, literally, he, he wasn't there, he was in a coma, but he was so full of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and it poured out in his funeral. That same anointing's for you today. You'll learn how to walk and work and protect and guard and honor the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to understand that everything that Jesus did, he did as the Son of God, but equally as the Son of Man, anointed by the Holy Spirit. Think about at his baptism. Jesus, the Lamb of God, he comes and he's, he surrenders himself to John and he's baptized. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit came and remained on one person and one person alone. And his name is Jesus. The only one qualified to carry the fullness of the presence of God. The Holy Spirit had come upon people in the Old Testament. He came and he would lift He'd come in portions, but it comes upon Jesus without measure. Imagine that. He carries the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Spirit to us today is the Spirit of Christ. He's the Spirit of Christ. So when He comes upon us, He baptizes us, as we saw today, into Christ Jesus. The moment you get born again, He comes and He makes His home in you, and we are baptized into Christ. We are, we are made one with Him. 
What an amazing thought that because of Jesus, because of his life, his perfection, his obedience, I can step into him and have over me the Holy Ghost without measure. That's the potential for every single person. You have the potential, look at me, to walk in the same fullness as Jesus did. He showed you the capacity that you now have the moment you step into him. From the baptism, he engages the devil in the wilderness. The revelation there is over sonship. The whole battle of the wilderness, Jesus, first he's gaining victory so the Holy Spirit would come upon him in in the baptism. He's he's doing that for us so that we could be made one with him. In In the wilderness, now it's a battle over identity and sonship. And whether Jesus will relinquish his sonship and whether secondly he will relinquish his obedience to the father that's what the battle is over and so what prepares jesus for the greatest revelation of sonship and father is the very fact as i spoke before that he was willing to be hungry in the wilderness his hunger caused him to overcome all the onslaught of the devil, all of hell assembled against him. There were wild animals and beasts, and these are pictures of demons. And he battled them for 40 days and 40 nights, intense hunger. And he did that because he wanted you and I to have a revelation that Holy Spirit is not just the Spirit of Christ, but now he's the Spirit of sonship. And he comes inside us, and he causes us to cry out, Abba, Father, there's an anointing on us that breaks the power, as we heard today, of unworthiness, of lack of identity, so we can walk strong and tall. We don't have to look at other people and trying to get their their, um, their affection or their, their opinions about us, but we know within us, because the Holy Spirit, His anointing comes upon us, and we cry out, I know, Father, I know His love for me, and I am secure. And that's what the battle in the wilderness is over. He's praying, God, I want that same glory that, that I had before the foundation of the world. I want, he says, I desire. He prays, Jesus, that you and I today would get to see the glory that he had before the foundation of the world. And that glory is that he was the beloved son of God, intensely loved. And this whole experience in the wilderness is so that we could have the anointing of the spirit of sonship. There should not be one person in God's house that is battling with identity issues. And I know we do, but the reality is the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes to set us free from unbelief and doubt and fear and insecurity. What you need today is not just more head knowledge, but a baptism in the Holy Spirit of sonship. Amen? And when you get that, you see, if you'd stop mucking around and come before God and say, Jesus, you prayed, you desired. And what Jesus prays to the Father, he will get if you agree. You prayed for me that I would understand that I am loved by Father equally as you are loved. I need a revelation. I hunger. Come and teach me. Fill me with the spirit of sonship. The anointing is not some nebulous thing, some spiritual thing in the air. It is the Holy Spirit manifesting the fullness of God's heart towards you. 
and he comes as we spend time in his presence. And I walk out of encounters knowing I am a son. And so it says that he goes through the wilderness and he returns in the power of the Holy Ghost. Don't you love that? Spirit of Christ, spirit of sonship. Now he's the, he comes in the power of the Holy Spirit. Anointed as priest over here in the baptism. He's functioning in a priestly role. Anointed as prophet. He's functioning in a role where it causes us to see our identity in the Father. Now he comes back anointed and functioning in the kingly role. Taking authority over the enemy. Gaining victory. Bringing inheritance. Taking ground. That's what is ours today. Luke 4.18 then goes on to say, Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit and he stands up in the, amongst the people and he reads from the scroll of, from the prophet Isaiah as it's handed to him and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Don't you love that today that the anointing today is here because he wants good news to go to the poor. And you know the good news is, you're going to be poor forever. There's only so much pie and you missed out. That's the good news that we've been shouting for years. That you can't have too much because if you get a new car, it means less for somebody else. There's only so much of the pie. We've been preaching that for years, but Jesus said, I am anointed by the Holy Ghost. That same anointing that came upon God's people in the Old Testament and took what was little and made it much. He says, I'm anointed. I have the Spirit without measure. And he thought what Elijah did was great. He had it by portion. I am anointed without measure and you are in me. And I'm telling you today, the poor, you need to hear this. There's an anointing that you can access that will cause you to break out of poverty and be set free. It will cause you to have the mind of the anointed one. As you facilitate that, as you walk in the Holy Ghost, He will show you things to come. He will teach you. He will restrain you when you want to do crazy things. He will stop you making bad decisions. If you walk with Him, He will fill you without measure. 2 Corinthians 10, 3, 5 says that we will then take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. All these crazy things that we've been thinking, or when we want to make poor choices, you need to start saying, my mind is subject to the anointing of the Holy Ghost and I will stop making bad decisions. Some of the decisions you've been making is because you've been under a cursed mindset, a fallen mindset, and you need to be re-baptized again and again until you have the mind of Christ in all its fullness. We're trying to change people at this level where the problem is they need to be changed at a deeper level. They need to encounter with the Holy Ghost. He will cause you to think right. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Those that are shattered and crushed. And they come past us and they're broken. He says, I have an anointing in you that will heal the brokenhearted. You've been brokenhearted, shattered and crushed. We all have. And it's the anointing that comes on a person that heals a person 
And you hear this story and you think, how could you ever be happy again? That's the anointing of God. There's a balm in Gilead that heals the brokenhearted. You've been brokenhearted, we all have. But the anointing of God is able to heal that which nobody else can heal. Amen? Amen. He proclaimed to proclaim release to the captives, those that are bound by demons, those who are bound by circumstances. The anointing today is here to release you from captivity, from addictions that you can't break. God can break them. That's the anointing of the Holy Ghost. What therapists can't do, what psychologists can't do, God can do. And if you're cutting yourself secretly, if whatever you're doing, if you're bound to pornography, whatever addiction you might have, there's no shame. God loves you. He knows all about you and he still wants you. He says, I pick you and all your garbage. I want you because I love you and I see what no one else sees. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you could love someone like me so bound and addicted and tormented. He, there's proof right through Scripture. Jesus comes to Martha. Seven demons. You think you've got problems? She had the lot. She had a burger with a lot when it came to demons and french fries. And Jesus said, I can set you free. One word from God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost can deliver you from every addiction and set you free. And you think I can't be free? He says, that's no match for me. The anointing takes what the cross one and makes it a reality. Amen. Amen. And you've got that in you. It says when you lay hands on people, there's a transference of what's in you to them. It's the yoke-destroying, burden-removing anointing of the Holy Ghost. And we need to realize what we carry or who we carry inside us. Proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. And I felt God saying John 15, 11, it says, these things I've spoken to you, so my joy would be in you and your joy may be made full. What was he speaking about abiding? John 15 is a chapter on abiding. He says, I'm telling you how to abide so you would be joyful. I felt God say he wants to give recovery of sight to the blind. And how are you blind? I'll tell you how you're blind. And it's how I've been blind too. And the blindness is this. You ready? The blindness is, it is a waste of time to spend time abiding in his presence. And it hits more Christians than you know. We think, well, there was half an hour. I could have been doing lots of things. could have been on Facebook for half an hour. So much more productive. (laughs) He says, I've spoken to you about abiding so my joy would be in you and it would be full. And the flesh says that waiting on the Lord is a waste of time, unproductive and unfruitful. But I need you to know today that every time you make a quality decision to spend time basking in the presence of God and say, thank you, Lord, for your anointing within you, within me, something changes deep within you. And Jesus said, I want you to abide in me so your joy will be full. And do you know the reason that many Christians are bored and unfulfilled? And, and don't know what's going on because they have been hoodwinked by the devil. And he said to you, it's a waste of time. You can't do it. It's too hard. It's only for the spiritual ones. So we give up. He says, I've come to give recovery of sight to the blind. I've come to open your eyes to show you what's real. And he's inviting you back in again to abide with him. 
He says, I've come to set you free for those who are oppressed and to reclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Isaiah goes on, because he's quoting from Isaiah 61. He goes on in verse 7, and listen to what he says. So Jesus is reading from this passage, and the whole passage of Isaiah 61 is the mandate for the anointed one and all those that will be anointed. And he goes on to say in verse 7, I'm going to give you, listen, a double portion instead of shame. And I heard the voice of God last week say, double portion where there's been shame. Instead of shame, you'll have a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you'll rejoice in your inheritance. And you will inherit a double portion in the land. And everlasting joy will be yours. You know what shame means in the Hebrew? Listen, to be disappointed or delayed, to be confounded, confused, to become dry, to be delayed, or for things to take a long time. And he said, every time you've been disappointed, delayed, you thought God was going to work this way and it didn't work out the way you thought it was. And you got disappointed. Delays happened. The enemy came in, brought confusion. God's saying that every blessing and inheritance that you would have enjoyed, if the delay didn't happen, God said, I'm going to restore that to you and I'm going to give you a double portion for every error of shame, of delay, of confusion. So the anointing of God comes upon you to, to bring back in a double measure everything that the enemy has stolen from you. Relationships, money, power, influence, the anointing of God. Listen to me. The anointing comes to give you a double portion that is your inheritance. He's going to give you twice as much as for recompense. Double for your trouble, you've heard. And so you need to remind yourself, the anointing of God is in me to reclaim and bring back double for everything, everything that the enemy has stolen. He stole a father from me. That wasn't God. I had years stolen from me. And many of you have had much worse. And the Bible says for your shame, you're going to get a double portion. Guess what? I've got a double portion anointing of fatherhood upon me. See, that's the anointing. God says, I've seen what's been stolen from you. And I'm going to give you double. And every time the enemy touches you, you just say, God, thank you for the anointing that's upon me. Double for my shame. Double for every delay. Double for every work of the enemy. You touch me, the anointing will flow and it will fill and fill and fill. See, the, the widow came to the prophet and said, my husband has died. The enemy came in and stole from her. So what did God do? He began to fill her and fill her and restore. Job, he was attacked by the enemy. And we see at the end of his life, double for his trouble and some. And we have the anointing of God today without measure. So what does double look like without measure? It's ours. You go, well, well, I'm not seeing it, but it's ours. So here's the thing. The Bible says, I will be anointed with fresh oil. Let the weak say, I am strong. You are anointed the moment you get born again. Whether you realize it or not, it doesn't change the fact. You can live unanointed, if that's such a term, but you're anointed. Declarations set 
a new temperature in our lives. Listen carefully. I must speak higher than what I experience now if I want to live at a higher plane. Are you hearing this? I don't feel a nice day, I'm not even lodging. I don't even like lodging. Everything goes wrong with me. Well, okay, this is where you are. Unanointed, everything goes wrong for you. Yeah, okay, that may be an exaggeration about you, but let's just say that what you're saying is true. So you can either keep declaring that you're unanointed, everything goes wrong for you, Eeyore, or you can begin to say, I'm anointed with fresh oil. Let the weak say, I'm strong. I can do all things through the anointing that dwells in me. And see, what it is, it's like a a thermostat. When you come into a house and it's cold, say it's 15 degrees in the house. Oh, it's cold. Oh, it's always going to be cold. I'm a cold person. Or you've got two choices when you're cold. Two things you need to do. You need to shut the doors and stop the cold air coming in, and you need to turn up the heater. And declarations is like turning the heater up. So it's 15 here, and they go and turn it up to 20. And the moment you turn the heater on, you go, oh, that's not like it. It's supposed to be a heater. It says it's 20 degrees here, but it feels cold. No, you don't do that. You're sitting in the thermostat to the temperature that you want to now live at and and the gap between what you are now and the 20 degrees is called faith and so we keep declaring i am anointed by the holy ghost everyone i touch gets healed people change in my presence because i carry the anointed one and then you walk down the street no one gets healed and i never i give up No, we know that when we sit at 20, all of a sudden we hear this whoosh. Ah, the gas has come on. We hear it outside. And then all of a sudden, air starts coming up in the vents. And after a few minutes, it starts getting warmer. And in about 30 minutes, or however big your house is, it's now 20 degrees. Because you've closed the door and you've set a new temperature. You figure out what it means to close the door. It's another story. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is an anointing for everything that you are called to do. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. It says who in some and which in others. And it's both true. He strengthens us and the anointing in us strengthens us. Right through the Old Testament. I'll give you some examples. Bezalel was filled with the Spirit of God, Exodus 31. And he gave, God gave him by the Spirit intelligence and ability and wisdom as a master craftsman. So in your work, you can say, God, with its numbers, with its physical, whatever it is that you do for a job, anoint my mind and my hands and cause me to rise to the top. You are the God of all wisdom and understanding. I am anointed today. Use me. Whether it's cleaning baths, mowing grass, whatever it might be, whether it's doing stocks, whatever it is that you're called to do, you're anointed to do it. 
Samson tore a lion apart like a young goat. Supernatural strength. Gideon blew a trumpet and people came to him. Anointed for leadership. Well, you're either born a leader or you're not. No, 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 no. God breaks all the rules of leadership. When the anointing fills a person, he can take someone timid and make them strong. We don't have to follow the system of the world that says you're born a leader or you're not. When the anointing of God, if you hunger after him, he will transform you and take a weak person and make you bold as a lion. Elijah was transported geographically into different regions. Time traveled. David received plans by the Spirit to build Solomon's temple. Joseph, by the Spirit, anointing of God, interpreted dreams, changed the course of history. Philip was caught up in the Spirit and was transported. In fact, Israel was so used to operating in the anointing. Listen to this. 3,000 of them go to war against Ai. And it says 36 of them died and they cried their eyes out. Are you getting that? What does that tell us? They weren't used to losing. For us, 3,000, 36 died. Oh, not even, it's a percent. I'm saying, yeah. One percent? Just over. Oh, that's just the casualties of war. No, when the anointing comes, there are no casualties. They knew something was wrong because 36 people died. They weren't used to losing. And right through the Old Testament, when the anointing of God touched God's people, they prospered, they succeeded, they won. And we have the anointing of God without measure. In the Old Testament, there was a thing called the anointing oil, Exodus 30. And this gives us further insight into the anointing and how it functions in our life. And I just want to quickly share on that before we finish, because Jesus reveals himself as the Messiah, Jesus the Christ, the anointed one. And we are in him. And he says that you are now my anointed one. So in the Old Testament, the anointing oil shows us what happens when we get anointed. The anointing oil is made up of five things, five ingredients, the number of grace. It's a grace gift, the anointing. You have to earn it or deserve it. It comes because of grace. The first ingredient was myrrh. It's the anointing of love and suffering. It's the flow of compassion and love. It's the flow that comes upon us where we have love for those that are in need and are suffering. See, the anointing's for exploits, but the anointing of Jesus comes upon us so we would supernaturally love those that are unlovely, that we love those that are suffering. See, when the anointing is in us, we should, we should be... The way to tune into the anointing is not about a, so much looking for power, but looking for love. See, when Jesus ministered, it said he was moved by compassion. The anointing flows through deep love for people. God won't minister or 
it seems to me he doesn't want to minister through me if it's about me showing off my power. He wants me to love people. And when I pray for them, there's an engagement heart to heart. And I'm not trying to hit them with power. I'm conscious of the flow of God's love in me for that person. And it's not something trying to work up. It's more something that I want to release his love to that person. And I'm looking for a person that is receptive to God's love. And then it begins to flow. So in the anointing all we see myrrh, which is a picture of this deep love for other people. So the Holy Spirit wants to anoint you today and give you compassion for people. So when you got baptized today, there was an anointing that I felt. Because it's moved by love and compassion. And I look into their eyes and I can see if little tears well up and something begins to move within me. It's called the heart of God. And that's how the anointing flows. So that's how you prophesy over people. Because you engage heart to heart and you begin to pick up God's love for these people. You're not trying to impress the crowd. You're trying to minister out of love. The second ingredient was cinnamon. Its root word means to glow and to burn, to be zealous. This tree was evergreen. It's a highly flammable spice, representative of spiritual fire. So when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, there will be spiritual fire. I'm dancing on the inside. (laughs) It's a highly flammable spice. It reminds me of my encounters with petrol as a young child. (laughs) I found out that petrol was a highly flammable liquid. When introduced to fire, there was an explosion. I nearly burnt the church down. My dad would build them, I would burn them down. But the anointing of cinnamon is, is fire. It's you wake up with zeal for God's people. And when you see the enemy ripping them off, there's a zeal that comes upon you. There's a reason to wake up in the morning. There's God, I know there's more. It's not like that. You come. And I was glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. I don't want to be anywhere else. When I go on holidays, you can ask my wife, it's difficult for me to stay away from church. She has to make me. Because I'm zealous for God's house. It's part of who I am. It's the fire of God. I, I want to be around God's people. I want to worship. I want to engage with the heart of God. And when the anointing comes upon and fills a person, you will be filled with fire for the rest of your life. So you pray in the Holy Ghost. If you've not been baptized in, in the Holy Spirit and, and spoken with tongues, what a great day to, do, to receive today. And be filled with the fire of God. When the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in the upper room, fire came. I think it might have been angels of fire that came and hovered over each person. And they were transformed by the power of God. And they burned for the rest of their life. And turned the whole world upside down. Calamus, meaning a reed, number three. From the root word to stand upright. This reed grows in muddy, boggy soil, sending upright shoots. 
Instead of falling down in the mud, it stands up. Strong. When you crush it and bruise it, it's known for its aromatic properties. A beautiful perfume arises. It represents forgiveness from betrayals, people that have wounded you and hurt you, and you stay strong when you should have fallen over in the mud. The anointing of the Holy Spirit touches people and fills them so you can be betrayed and hurt and abused and spoken ill of and you stay strong and immovable with a sweet spirit. That's the anointing. That's what I want. I want to be filled with that so people can injure my name, they can say the wrong thing, they can misunderstand me, they can cause me pain, but I will get up the next day and say, I love you, Jesus, and I love your church. And I won't just forgive, but I will trust again. I'll believe in the next person that you bring into my house. I won't have a guarded heart anymore. I won't get jaded by people. The anointing of the Holy Spirit comes to cause us to be upright in boggy situations where others would fall over and become jaded. So many Christians and people get jaded in life. Well, they hurt me, I'm not going to love again. And so you give them an opportunity and you wonder why they're reticent because they've, they've got caught in the bog. But the anointing of the Holy Spirit, see, when you get injured, you come back into the presence of God what David did after his son died he prayed he was a friend of God you know me David God says no your son's not coming back gonna reap the consequences so what does David do gets back up washes himself puts on his clothes and moves on that's the anointing to bounce back after pain and God, you could have come through, but you didn't. I don't understand, but I trust you. I don't have to understand you. I just have to believe in you. There's something. If we can understand God, then he's not God anymore. You're not called to understand him. You're called to believe in him. Okay? And so David says, I don't understand, but I believe. I, I, see, it's more important that you just go with what you know rather than what you don't know. The things about God I don't understand, but what I do understand will not be counteracted by what I don't understand. Does that make sense? I know He's good. And even though it seems like there are seasons where I don't see His goodness, I declare that He's good all the time. So David washed himself. So the anointing causes us to be upright in boggy situations. And if you've been tempted to be hurt and crushed and, and, and to be disappointed and to dwell in that, God's anointing today is here to cause you to be upright. Amen. And no sign of mud is going to be on It won't stick. Listen to me. All the words that the enemy has spoken over you through people, they will not stick because you're upright. Amen. I feel that's a word for someone today. God is calling you as an upright man. I can point you out now, but I won't. You're upright in the Lord. You've been integrous and the mud that's been flung your way will not stick. Amen. 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 Cassia. It's from the root word to stoop down, to bow, as in worship. It's the purity element of this whole anointing. Interesting is one of the products that came from Tyre, which was a merchant trading nation, the same place that's associated with Satan. says that Satan was the king of Tyre. And this product comes out of that. So in other words, that there's 
competing forces for this element of worship. What will we worship? And the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes and fills us. So we will be worshippers at all times of Him alone. Not money, not things, not possessions, not people. But He anoints us to be worshippers like David. What an amazing thought. So when you come to church, and say, no, no, well, I was not my favourite band today. Oh, they're not singing the song I like. Oh, the head is not very nice. Oh, I'm not. Someone's taking my seat. Or else you can walk in and say, I've been anointed with fresh oil today. I'm a worshipper. It's in my DNA. I've been anointed by the Holy Ghost. I could worship in a pig pen. I could worship with a man playing a three-string ukulele and a banjo and a mouth organ. But not a tambourine. You know what I'm saying? Some people have to have all the lights. There's nothing wrong with lights and all. They're all good. They're accessories. But it doesn't replace the anointing of the Holy Ghost that, that fills me to make me a passionate worshiper of God. Wow. And the fifth one is the olive oil that pulls it all together. It's a picture of the Holy Spirit. Is Exodus 30 says that this oil was used to anoint the tabernacle, all its, all its furniture, and the priest. Here's the deal. Only God's people can be anointed. Nobody else can be anointed. I don't care how great you can speak. I don't care how clever you are. If you're not in Christ, you're not anointed. And you're functioning out of a soulish strength. But it's God's people that have the unfair advantage. They are anointed with fresh oil. And you are called to live day by day conscious that I am the anointed one. I am the blessed of the Lord. 1 John 2.20, as we finish, says, You have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. That's you today. Listen to me. You. I don't, It doesn't matter how well you know your Bible. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You have access to the mind of God. Those listening today on live stream, those watching on YouTube, if you are in Christ Jesus, if you've been born again, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. Galatians 4, 6 says, Because you are the sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart. So I say to you this week, what are you going to do about that? Well, James, was it Peter and John, sorry, in Acts chapter 3, verse 6 says, What we have... We give to you. When the prophet priest poured oil over a person and anointed them with oil, they were taking oil from who they were and transferring what they had onto the person. So when Samuel anointed David, he took his oil, which, which was a picture, a type of what he carried inside him what he functioned in. And he anointed David with oil. And what Samuel was and carried now was upon David. That's why the whole town trembled when Samuel walked in the door. Because he was the anointed of God. And none of his words fell to the ground. And he anoints David. And it takes a little boy from a sheepfold 
looking after Barbar sheep, playing the harp to them, chasing away wild animals, a little boy that nobody knows, the anointing of God is placed upon him and immediately he is transported, transferred, whatever you want to call it, into the realm and reign of a king. Now, it didn't happen straight away, but that was a day that everything changed, that he was turned into another man. So what you have, you can be led by the Spirit of God to give away. God, who do you want me to pray for? God, how do you want me to worship this week? God, these attitudes I've had, people have betrayed me. Fill me, change me, cause me to be upright. God, let compassion flow as I walk through my workplace. Begin to cause me to see those that you want me to share love with. In whatever way it might be, it may be prayer, it might be an act of kindness, it may be just praying where they sit. Whatever it is you want me to do, let your anointing that is in me flow out to other people. So when Jesus came, it says there was power, was present to heal. Jesus carried the anointing and lives were changed. You carry the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that you're anointed with fresh oil for every day. Every day there's an anointing for the day. So when we wake up, we can say, God, what have you anointed me to do today? What have you given me the unfair advantage over? What have you caused me to conquer? Who have you called me to love? What have you called me to do today? See, today God had anointed me to preach. I didn't wake up feeling like preaching. In fact, there were probably times during the morning I felt like, I'd rather be home, not preaching. But the anointing of God comes upon a person and transforms them. And our will and our emotions and our flesh and our insecurities and our problems, they all get caught up and swallowed up in His great power. We are earthen vessels, so the excellency of the power may be pointed towards Him and not us. He fills us with His ability. And so often we're conscious of our lack and our, who are we and how could you use me? But God wants to use you. You are anointed today with fresh oil. You are. You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of the anointed one today. So be encouraged today. Why don't you lift up your hands where you sit? Father, we thank you for your anointing. It breaks every yoke, sets the prisoners free, enables us to be strong and immovable. It's your power in us that enforces every victory of the cross in our lives and through us. So we say yes to your word. We are Christians. We are containers of the anointed one and so we thank you that your anointing is quickening our lives thank you for the unction and the flow and the presence of your anointing we want to be conscious of your presence we turn up the dial in our life that says I am a highly anointed man or woman of God 
We turn that dial up. We will no longer say that we're weak and insipid and we have no power, but we begin to declare the truth over our lives that I am highly anointed, deeply favored, mightily blessed, and I will be used by God this week as an instrument of His great power. So let your anointing flow. We thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, that there are rivers inside us of your, of your presence. There are, there are realms to discover. There are mysteries that you want to unfold. God calls your people to see that there is a whole world out there in the realm of the Spirit that you are inviting us to flow in. The anointed ones is a life of, of just unlimited realities. Thank you, Father. Open the eyes of your people to see. So I release, Lord, today what I have over the people. And I say today, receive today the anointing, a fresh measure of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Be filled today in Jesus' name. If you've never, just while every eye is closed, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, do that today. Ask Him to come in and be your Lord and Savior. You can do that where you sit. You can do that as you listen on a live stream or YouTube. If you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you have a heavenly language, we're going to have a prayer team here. We will pray for you. I have faith that everyone I pray for gets baptized in the Holy Spirit and prays in tongues. If you're listening to us I say to you, step out. There is a language from heaven for you. And as you open your mouth to the realities of the Spirit of God within you, God will give you a language of His kingdom. And the Bible says as we pray in the Holy Ghost, we pray mysteries, we unlock mysteries, and we build up our faith, the gap between what is and what is declared over our life. As we pray in the Holy Spirit, there are rivers of anointing that flow in and through us. So if you want prayer for that today, at the end of the service, come up. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you. As you open your eyes, just listen to this. You are anointed by God today. God bless you.